Welcome to the Inside Eco Devo podcast. I'm your host, Eric Thurman. And in this episode, we're talking about Missouri's Southeast region. And sitting down with us is a special guest who's going to tell us all about it. And I'll let her introduce herself. Hi, Eric. I am Leslie Roan. I am the manager for the Southeast region, which is 25, 27 counties. It's a big area of Southeast Missouri. St. Jen, all the way down to the Boot Hill, west of West Plains. So... Douglas, Ozark counties, all the way east to Tennessee, Kentucky. So it's a big region, very diverse. Excited to talk to you about it. Well, excited to have you here and excited to dive all into it. Uh, Before we get into all things Southeast region, um, I know recently you've been designated the Delta Regional Authority uh, appointee. Could you just tell us a little bit about this designation? What does it mean? What's the role entail? Why is it important? Kind of give us the rundown on it. So the Delta Regional Authority, it is a federally authorized and appropriated organization. First time it had an appropriation was 2008. It was authorized in 2000. It is 252 counties in a seven-state region. So it's, and if you imagine where the Mississippi River flows down, starting around Illinois, it's kind of those counties that cluster around the Mississippi River area. Said, saying that, though, I just said our southeast region goes all the way over to Douglas County. Those are DRA counties. They're Delta Regional Authority counties. They can receive some of that funding. So the idea behind the Delta Regional Authority, typically in that area, you have persistent poverty counties. You have struggling economic development areas. You have workforce training tons of workforce training needs that have to happen and you just you don't have a lot of urban areas so the purpose of DRA is to have specific funding it's usually around 30 35 million a year whatever congress decides and it is to promote job creation it is to com- promote community development in those delta counties so for us it is the entire southeast region i'm very honored to have governor parson make me the designee. Uh, it works out well because it is the Southeast region. The economic development, the DED Southeast region are all DRA counties. So it's a good fit. Something we really do with DRA funding is that when we have a community that maybe they need to improve a road, maybe they need to install a signal, maybe they're trying to develop an area of town that needs additional water lines we are able to traditionally look at CDBG, the Community Development Block Grant funding. We're able to look at Department of Commerce EDA funding, but then we can also look at DRA funding and use that to supplement kind of as a little bit of a gap filler for some of those projects. And the nice thing with DRA funding, because it is focused toward economically struggling areas, they allow you to use DRA funding as match funding for CDBG EDA grants. So where a lot of times your communities don't have a million dollars in the bank to put toward, oh, here's my 30% in, you can apply for DRA funding and maybe use that as your match for some of these struggling communities. So so where is, if there is one, where is the divide between DE? DED, DRA, like, is there an overlap? Because, I mean, you're you're the regional manager for Southeast. You're the DRA person. Like, where's kind of the split of that if there is one? Well, so you're catching me a 
few days after I got the appointment. So <laughs> maybe a little early to right. ask, but I can say actually from my previous work, I worked with the DRA staff um, when I was working on the federal side. A lot of the DED, DRA, it's going to be overlapping in terms of using DRA resources to promote projects that DED works on, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's not conflicting whatsoever. It's just giving you another resource. A lot of times what Lori Becklenberg, Shauna, Michelle, they always talk about tools in our toolbox. Well, in the Southeast region, we're able to use DRA as just another awesome tool in the toolbox that we can use for businesses, communities, counties, municipalities. So for your region, it's a, it's a big, important thing. It's huge. Yeah. We love the fact that we can pull from DRA. And honestly, when we are talking to some companies that maybe it's a new start and they're looking at other states and Missouri, a lot of times companies don't realize that DRA is another bucket that we can pull from, another tool we can use to provide resources to the community to get that infrastructure going to help their company succeed. So we love the DRA tool. They've got some great leadership. Dr. Corey Wiggins is the federal co-chair of DRA. Uh, he is, I believe, from Mississippi, possibly Louisiana, but those are the DRA states. It's Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Missouri, Arkansas, Louisiana, Mississippi, part of Alabama. So there's kind of three DRA-ish type things in the country. There's the Appalachian Regional Commission, which that's like West Virginia. That's kind of your East Coast kind of coal belt area. I'm talking with my hands a lot. You're probably like, this doesn't translate, but that's okay. <laughs> so Appalachian Regional Commission is up in West Virginia. Joe Manchin's wife, Mrs. Manchin, is actually the director for the ARC. Then you have DRA, which is Dr. Corey Wiggins. And then there's actually a Southern Crescent Regional Commission, and it's more the Gulf Coast, so North Carolina, South Carolina, the rest of Alabama, potentially a little bit of Florida, but it's more that Gulf Coast area. Gotcha. Okay. And some of those counties that also have struggles, just like the Delta counties have. I don't want to go too far down the Delta regional um, discussion because, like you said, it's a few days in. Maybe we'll have you back uh, on to give us a, a real deep dive on, on DRA. Sure. Uh, just one more quick question on that. We'll jump right into Southeast talk. So between the 252 counties and the seven states that you mentioned for the DRA, are you just the sole like Missouri person? Is there other people in those states that you're working with? Or are you like the person for all of those counties in those seven states? So I am the Missouri designee. Governor Parson puts trust in that designee to go and speak for Missouri when they're talking about Here's how we're going to structure programs. Something they changed, just for instance, over the last year, there's two major programs that DRA uses. One is called CDAP, State Economic Development Assistance Program. It's got a open window, kind of like our neighborhood assistance program cycle. It's an open window. Our regional planning commissions can apply for funds. But then they also have another program. It's community infrastructure funding. That they changed from being one open window to being a rolling throughout the year. The DRA designees from each state sit in on board meetings and help make those decisions. You know, look, it's a better idea for us to have what we call CIF, CIF, the Community Infrastructure Funds, open rolling throughout the year when we have companies that want to come instead of saying, oh, if you can wait just eight more months, 
this window could open and it could be some additional infrastructure funding. So that's what the designee does. Helps speak for the state on what could be most helpful for the opportunities their state is seeing coming in. So yeah, exciting stuff. Congratulations on the designation. I'm sure more work is great. <laughs> more responsibility. Oh. But yeah, let's jump into uh, Southeast region and we'll start really plain here. Tell me about your region. What is the Southeast region? At top, you kind of gave us the kind of borders of it, but maybe a little bit more details on how you would maybe classify it. Or if somebody asked you, hey, what is the Southeast region? What would you tell them? So it's very diverse. I would tell you that first. Out of our counties, so there's myself. I serve as the manager. I've got uh, two people on my team. Sandra Cabot lives actually in St. Genevieve, so she's up in the north area. A lot of the things she deals with is mining. She's got Doe Run Mine. She's got Missouri Cobalt is in her area. So she deals a lot with mining expertise. Then there is Lori Dunlap on my team, and she actually lives in Poplar Bluff over in Butler County. What they deal with, completely different than the mining, they have tourism. They have Shannon County. They have Reynolds County, where you're looking at Current River, Carter County, Van Buren, and they're looking more at a tourism aspect. They've got a lot of government lands there. They've got the Mark Twain National Forest. She's working with them on different opportunities that are completely separate than what Sandra works up in St. Genevieve, St. Francis County area, Iron County area. Then you've got me. I actually live in Pemiscott County, so all the way down in the boot heel. I kind of joke with Lori Becklenburg that I grocery shop in Tennessee because it's closer, but that's not really great for working for economic development. I love our I love our Missouri grocery stores, but man, that Dyersburg grocery store is really close to my house. So I'm really close to Tennessee where we are. It's all agriculture. I say all. It's agriculture and it's metals. We border Arkansas and Arkansas has Big River Steel and they have Nucor Steel. So a lot of the folks that we have as our workforce and when we have companies coming in to decide whether they're going to locate here we can really pitch that we have got folks who know how to work basic metal structure which is really unique on top of that we've got agriculture 30 percent over 30 percent of the state's agriculture exports come from the six boot heel counties agriculture is a huge aspect of what we do Really interesting when you look in terms of DED, a lot of times when you look at Missouri Works, it's how many jobs are you creating? What's your capital expenditure? So if you have something that's coming in, it's going to be 200 jobs. That's fantastic. With agriculture, you can have a facility come in. Maybe it's a rice mill. And maybe that rice mill is only going to employ 25 people. But you have to think about the secondary inputs how that's going to affect the economy for all the rice farmers in like a four county area, because now they have a completely new market. And it's kind of like that rising tides lifts all ships. It's what you're doing. You're helping this rice mill, which may not be a ton of jobs, but it's going to have a huge economic boon on your location. So it's just a little bit of different way to think about it. You got mining up in the north, tourism over in the west, and then the boot heel is really agriculture. Would there be a main industry, you think, or is it diverse enough to where it's kind of a little bit of column A, B, C, D? It's diverse enough. It's yeah. column A, B, C, D. I okay. mean, it really is. You've got Poplar Bluff area, Wayne County, Piedmont area. It's cattle farming. You want to know how much I know about cattle farming? Zilch. You want to know what Lori Dunlap knows about cattle farming? 
tons, and I love it. Mining, do not get me lying on mining. Sandra Cabot can talk mining. She can talk the benefits they use. She can talk the safety training that they need to have. So I'm super blessed to have those two on my team so that we can really have a well-rounded, large area of the state to cover. From your position, what do you think are the driving factors that, uh, that attract these type of businesses to that area? Or maybe businesses outside of just the few ones that we talked about? Well, I listened to Taylor's podcast. It really is location, location, location. You, you can't move Current River. You can't move those natural resources of the mines. Those are there. And you can't change the soil. So we have, man, I could get into some detail on like Little River Drainage District and how they turned the boot heel from a swamp into usable farmland with federal legislation. And that's why the farmland is so good down there. It's completely flat. You can't get that anywhere else. So you can irrigate probably about 85% of the land in southeast Missouri. It's fantastic for farmland. The funny kind of flip side is it's also fantastic for what we call greenfield sites. So when a company is looking and they need 600 acres, Subash alias kind of foams at the mouth when he looks at all that land. And he's like, I don't even have a hill to move. And I'm like, I know it's completely flat here. Subash is with Missouri Partnership. As you know, they work on bringing existing companies in other states into Missouri. And so when you see that flat land, it's so easy to work with and just to build a new building, construct a new company. And we also have the railroad, we have the river, and we have the interstate running through our area. So it's very diverse in what we have, especially when you look at the mining, you can't move that, you can't move the river. But then you also have the flat land and the dirt that's awesome for farming and awesome for building. And then on top of that, the workforce in the area, can you talk a little bit about the kind of workforce mentality, the the type of workers you have there? Obviously, they're going to be miners and farmers and and things of that, that nature. But one of those things that businesses want to hear about when they move in is what's your workforce like? So workforce is always an issue. Having enough folks, we have a different mentality in the workforce now. You don't take a job and keep that job for 20 years. People jump around. But when people find a job in Southeast, it doesn't have to be in their backyard. That's a big pitch point for Southeast. So you have some really rural areas, and that's where all these greenfield sites are. But when we look at when Jeff Pinkerton runs economic data on where people are traveling from, it is nothing for employees to travel 60 miles to get to work. Whereas in St. Louis, if I live in Wentzville and I work in Arnold, it might take me an hour to get to work with traffic. Well, where I live, if it's 58 miles, it's probably going to take me 55 minutes to get there. It's just a straight shot. There's no traffic and people are willing to travel. We can pull people from Kentucky, Tennessee, Arkansas, and then, of course, in Missouri, and you can pull them from a lot of different communities to populate that workforce. Yeah, I was going to ask about just the natural way that Missouri is uh, formed in that area with the Boot Hill. There's so many different states touching that area. That's got to be some kind of driver, obviously, for workforce. Also, for businesses moving their product you're kind of connected to a nice wide market with all those states there. You are. It's We had Carlisle Construction, which was actually a Missouri partnership project. It opened about 12 months ago. 
they weren't even looking in this area. But then when we said, look, we have a greenfield site and look at the transportation hub that you have. They actually, they have rail right there. They have the interstate system. It made so much sense for them because it's not only I-55 that's running north and south. Where we are, we also have 57 that runs through Kentucky, Illinois, up to Chicago. So it's just a really easy corridor. We also have Highway 60, four-lane highway, runs all the way across the state. It's a really nice area to be able to move your goods. And then something that we also have are the, are the ports in southeast. We have New Bourbon Port, which is up kind of straddling St. Genevieve and Perry County. We have Simo Port, which is, funnily enough, straddling Cape County and Scott County. Then we have New Madrid County Port and Pemiscot County Port. All those ports can take ocean-going vessels, load them, load grain, load materials onto a barge, head straight down to New Orleans, and then go onto an ocean-going vessel to export goods. So a lot of that is agriculture, but in addition to agriculture, you also have a lot of raw materials, the mining. There's some talk right now of opportunities to use those raw materials and get them to the river and use that resource as transportation as well. So the number of ports in the the vast river access that you get, do you have an idea of like just ballparking like figure wise, the amount of goods and like economic impact that's running through the river there? Well, I don't have dollars on economic impact. I have the knowledge of If you look at farms that run up and down the river, they have equipment sheds, they have offices, they don't have tons of grain bins. When you get up into kind of the western farm area, even central Missouri, you're going to see a lot more grain bins. So when you're in southeast Missouri and you're close to the river, what you'll notice are not a lot of grain bins. And it's because when a combine takes a crop out of the field, They can drive it directly to the river, and it can either be put on a barge or into one of their huge grain bins and then go on to an ocean-going vessel. The impact on locals, the impact on the farming community and agriculture, we just talked about how great it is that everything's so flat. It's also right there at the river. So you just can't beat that. You cannot beat the location of having an agriculture export in southeast Missouri. So when we're talking Southeast Missouri, we've kind of run through a lot of little details here. Is there anything that you feel like strongly about your region that maybe people don't really know about that you want to talk about or just something that you think puts the button on like, this is what Southeast Missouri is or the Southeast region? When we talk about Missouri being business friendly, it absolutely is. If you want a region that wants to grow and they want businesses to come in, that's Southeast. I think that's what I would talk about. You have people that want to work. You have community leaders that want to grow. They want to bring in business. They want to bring in workers. They want to bring in opportunity. And they're not afraid to look at different industries in order to grow their communities and provide those opportunities. Southeast Missouri has got some of the hardest workers you will ever see. We just talked about it. They'll drive 60 miles and not bat an eye to have a good wage, to have a family-supporting job. Our communities also reflect that, whether it's elected officials, community leaders, chambers, 
they are going to push to have companies come in and they are not going to throw up roadblocks to have different industry grow in their area. Yeah, you mentioned Carlisle just a little bit ago. Uh, and I think uh, Sykeston area, one of the biggest investments that area has seen in, in for a while. And I think what are they they're doing like some kind of foam material down there for insulation, I believe. So yeah, I mean, I guess big investments like that kind of pep the communities up and show like, hey, it can it can it can work and it can happen. We have the workforce and we have uh, the knowledge, the skill, and the gusto to to go for it. Well, and it's the community saying, "Come here, we're going to help you." When Carlisle came in, it was a greenfield site. They needed a expanded highway, so it was two lane to get into Carlisle. It got expanded to four lane using Governor Cosshare through MoDOT. It used EDA funding. It used DRA funding because not only did it go from two lane to four lane, but they also got a signal put in, a stoplight put in that now I have to go through every time I go to Walmart, (laughs) which is fine. But that's just another example of these communities don't just want the companies to come. They're going to help them come. They're going to look at those outside resources to make it as easy and as attractive as possible to get those new jobs and new opportunities into Southeast Missouri. Yeah, for sure. Kind of a sidebar talking about Carlisle, we were down there for, not for the ARPA tour, but it was in the area and they were doing the announcement for the um, the building opening. So we went there to cover it. Um, just flashbacks of how ungodly hot it was in that building. I think that was during the summer. It was like 100 degrees outside. We're thinking, hey, great, we're going to be inside. We did not know that Due to the nature of what they produce there, this uh, foam material, it has to be kept at a certain temperature. So though it's blazing hot outside, they had the heaters on inside. It's the humidity level. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. So it's flat (laughs) roofs. If you ever look at huge buildings, typically have flat roofs. What they make at Carlisle are 4x4 or 4x8 sheets of that flat roof insulation. And they stack it about 6 foot high, and it has to be cured for, I believe, 32 hours. I may be off on that a little bit, but at a certain humidity. And they don't care if it's 98 degrees outside. They just need to keep that humidity level correct. You talk about what type of hard workers there are in Southeast. When you go through an aluminum smelter, if it's 70 degrees outside and you're at a pot line, it's probably 90 degrees, 95 degrees at the pot line. Those guys show up and they work every day. And that's the type of hard workers. That's the type of workforce you get in Southeast. They are going to show up and they are going to work. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, that right there says, yep, here's, here's our hard workers. Um, I asked Taylor this and this question, I'll ask you the same question. Can you kind of give like a day in the life of a regional manager? I'd imagine most of it's going to be similar to, you know, what Taylor said, but because your regions are so unique, in subtle ways, your day might be a little different than hers. So I just want to get your perspective on that as well. Every day is different. And I think Taylor said exactly that. Every day is literally different. It can be a little different in Southeast because St. Louis, they do a fantastic job of coordinating with the economic development councils that are around, the big chambers that are around. We don't really have that as much in Southeast. We have, out of all of our counties, six paid economic developers, and that's it. So a lot of what we do, it may not be an economic development council, but we're meeting with the chamber. 
we're meeting with the mayor. Lori Dunlap does tons of meetings with the mayor, with just community leaders who are interested in bringing different businesses, different opportunities to the community. Uh, One thing that comes to mind, thinking about DRA, there was recently an announcement that a CDAP grant is going to the community of Thayer for a water system. That water system is going to allow a big truck stop to come into Thayer on Highway 63. That's huge for the community. The real driver of that project and applying for that grant was a man named Bob Ekman. He's fantastic, and he is a local business owner in the community of Thayer. So when you don't have that urban center, when you don't have a lot of paid economic developers, which we don't in Southeast, a lot of what we do are just personal relationships, know who the drivers are, know who's really trying to bring business in and work with them as much as you can to educate them about those tools that we have in the toolbox. They don't have the ability to go to MEDC conferences. They, especially if you're in Southeast, for me to drive up here takes about four hours. So when legislature is in session, they're not necessarily coming up here every week to talk about different pieces of legislation that could be helpful or be educated on different pieces of legislation that could help them. So a lot of what we do, building personal relationships and sharing information with folks, just helping people get across the finish line on some of the projects, a lot of which is going to be infrastructure for their communities, just readying them to have those businesses come in. And how do you go about setting up those personal relationships? Is it kind of just knowing what's going on in your area, cold calling, are they coming to you? How does that instigate there? So luckily it's not a lot of cold calling, but it's a lot of community involvement. We will go to chamber meetings. We'll also go to regional planning commission meetings. We have county commission meetings. Sometimes we'll just go to the courthouse, sit down with the county commission and say during their normal weekly meeting, hey guys, what do you have going on? We have to build those relationships. We have to get to know those county commissioners so that when they hear, hey, there's a company that's wanting to come in, they know to call us so that we can make sure they know about those state incentives that are out there to help them make that decision to open up and when to open up. Okay. So when you're getting these projects and you're working and getting these personal relationships set up and all that, can you talk about bringing a project from start to finish? What's, I don't know, each project's going to be a little different and there's projects that you can't talk about uh, details on, but can you just kind of give us an idea of, of what that's like? Because I know some of these can go on for years. They can. Some of them feel like they already have, even though I've only been with the department about a year and a half, but there are really great projects. Sandra just worked on one. Up in her area, there was a female veterinarian just opened a veterinary clinic. She's got a handful of employees, but woman-owned, small business. She's got a family. Sandra went to the ribbon cutting, and the entire community was there because they're so excited for her. I mean, that's where being in Southeast and having those personal connections, it's not just getting a project across the finish line. It's just really being there to celebrate with them. And sometimes it's those handful of jobs that are really going to make a huge impact on the community having that new boutique that's opening up, having that new rice mill that's going to be opening up. It's just a lot of different, there's different ways to celebrate those projects in Southeast, but there's also the big wins. You know, we had Missouri Partnership, had Carlisle that came in. I've got a couple proposals out right now that would be hundreds of jobs. 
you look at those and you get really excited because you see that's a huge community impact that can be transformational to some of our communities. And I feel like when the companies are talking to us about coming to Southeast Missouri, they can hear that in our voice that we know they are not just going to be in the community. They will be part of the community and we are going to love them for being there. Yeah, that veterinarian clinic that you mentioned, comms team went down there, myself and Taylor, not Taylor Mazdra that we heard on the St. Louis uh, episode. We have a Taylor on the comms team as well. But we went down there and like you said, yeah, a bunch of people turned out and like not a whole lot of jobs. But what struck me was the fact that it's really the only veterinarian clinic in so many miles. I forget exactly how many miles he said. So the impact to the community to get those services to families who have pets, lots of families have pets. So although there's not a whole lot of jobs, the communal impact seemed very large. No, absolutely. I mean, when you're adding a service like that, you can be cutting down someone's drive from an hour and a half to 20 minutes now to get their pet to the vet. So, I mean, it's just, it's really impactful. I love how our community relationships play into the projects and kind of keep us motivated, keep us inspired to really work for these folks and help them get across the finish line. Yeah. And talking about motivation, inspiration, all that, is there a particular project that you've worked on in your time with the department that you're exceptionally proud of or uh, was rewarding in some fashion? A, a, I don't want to say favorite because we don't want to play favorites, but is there one that it just kind of is one that you like that? That was a really good one. You know, I'll actually say something it's kind of odd. One of our not great days when we had a plant that's going to be, that has closed. It's not a project. It's really hard on the community, but it has spurred the motivation of that community. It has helped and built and grown and strengthened the relationship we have with all those community leaders as we work to move forward for that community. So it doesn't always have to be a win. Sometimes it's even the hard times and it's us being able to go in and help as much as we can to show them those additional resources and help them recover and move forward and build those relationships and really build that trust. I mean, the person at that chamber, I would trust her with my kids. I would take a phone call from her at two o'clock in the morning. I mean, we know each other now and we know that we're there for each other. It doesn't have to always be a good news story. It can be a really challenging time, but that's one of the things. It's it's customer service. It's getting to know people. It's being there to help people. Someone asked, you know, why do you work at DED? Why do you work at DED? It's because I'm able to have a job where I'm helping my community. And I see the impact in not just my small community, but all my surrounding communities. When my kids got a ball game that's an hour and a half away, I'm driving past the place where I just had a meeting and we're talking about helping a company come into the town. I mean, it's just having that personal relationship. Maybe that's what makes Southeast a little unique. It's really a lot about personal relationships, growing trust, and really being there for the community members to help. Yeah, I'm working on a a project right now that will come out towards the end, end of the year, and that's exactly what I'm kind of getting out of the things that I'm hearing. It's community And especially when businesses are moving in, they want to know what's the community like because those workers, their families are going to live there. They're going to go to school there. They're going to shop there. So it's all well and good to have 
uh, a greenfield site to plunk a building down or have, you know, roadway access. And we have all these networks to get our supplies out there. But the people make the business and the people have to live in the community. So it's some- going back to Carlisle. Josh is the plant manager, the operator there at Carlisle. And one of the things he says is that the Sykeston community was fantastic when he moved his family in. He's got small kids, his wife. He said the school district was super welcoming. The community was welcoming. We actually uh, also had Simtech, which just opened in Kennett. And one of the things that the groundbreaking that they were talking about is that they had a company car. And folks in Kennett were so excited about Simtech coming in, he had to stop driving the company car to the gas station because he would get stopped (laughs) and have 20 and 30 minute long conversations just trying to fill the car up with gas because everyone was so excited that they were coming in. They got about 80 jobs. They're creating some more. They've got room for growth. But that's the type of relationship that we're able to build. And that's how excited people get about new opportunities coming into their communities. Yeah, so let's keep the train rolling on that discussion. What is up and coming or happening right now that you can talk about? I know things are hush-hush until they're uh, officially announced, but exciting things that are going on in the region or maybe exciting things that have wrapped up that you can talk about. So a couple exciting things that are in the works, they actually revolve around some federal legislation. So we've got IIJA, which is the bead funding for broadband, which I know BJ talks about all the time. That also has economic development components. Then IRA, the Inflation Reduction Act, has a lot of renewable energy components to it, some tax advantages, also some incentives to do clean energy. Those are producing some interesting projects and some interesting opportunities for Southeast that we're really excited about. That's about all I can say about it. But it's really exciting. It's exciting to have additional tools in the toolbox, sometimes a little daunting. You get that federal legislation. It's about 867 pages trying to know all the ins and outs of what could be helpful. I'd say that's also kind of a a stress point a little bit about the job. You have these relationships. You want to be there for your communities. So you feel like you want to know every single tool in the toolbox, not just state. You want to know federal as well. So a lot of research and just because we want to make sure that our folks have everything at their disposal and that we're able to be there and explain it. Maybe we're not the ones who can provide the funding. Maybe we're not the ones who can actually apply for the grant, but we want to be able to explain to them, hey, this is out there. It's open for the next six weeks. Talk to this person and maybe they can help you with this funding just to really provide them every single opportunity they have and make sure we don't lose out on any potential funding or opportunities that could be out there for some of our communities. Yeah, you mentioned the IIJA uh, stuff. BJ, who's been on here a couple of times, our uh, director of broadband in the department. I know you're not the broadband person, but he talks about a lot of the work that they're doing is in rural areas. And since Southeast is rural, I imagine you guys are having a bunch of broadband type stuff happening in the area. We Uh, do. It, I know you're not the broadband person. If you if it's not something you can speak on, we don't have to dive too deep into it. But I know when big businesses are setting up, everything's connected to the internet this day. So it is a like probably one of the things you get asked about, I'd imagine. It is. Uh, we're really fortunate down in Southeast. We've got some electric co-ops who are working with BJ's team on some of that IIJA funding, and they are running fiber 
through their electric co-op kind of network. So that's one of the really great tools we have. There's also some really great small businesses. Circle Fiber comes to mind in the Southeast area that is also working with BJ's team on pulling out additional broadband fiber resources for Southeast area. No, it definitely goes hand in hand. And I feel like BJ's ties to rural Missouri, Farm Bureau, things like that. BJ and I really sync up a lot on things since I live in a farming community. We actually, my husband farms. So we really kind of have that similar passion for getting resources to those rural communities. Talking about syncing up with other team members, how much kind of sync up and collab is happening between other regional managers and regional project managers from all six regions? Because I don't know, the borders of the region of yours kind of butts up against St. Louis and Central with Mitch. Uh, Are you guys kind of doing cross collaborations and and work in in some regard? We definitely pick each other's brains on what is working best. I've called Taylor. I've called Mitch. I always call Sherry Shenowick because she is the guru of all things. Actually, that kind of tough news story, the plant closure was Teresa her region and my region had the similar closing at the same time. So we worked really hand in hand on that. We definitely pick each other's brains on things. How can I best deal with this? Actually, on the way here on the drive in, I had 12 missed text messages from our regional engagement manager text chain that we have going on. Don't tell Lori and Shauna that exists. (laughs) I don't think they're on the chain, but uh, we definitely go back and forth on how do you deal with this? Okay, I got this really weird email can I do anything? I think Mitch had a traveling petting zoo and he was asking, can I help them? And Taylor wants them to come to her kid's birthday party. I mean, you know, it's just, we definitely have very collegial attitude, very collegial working environment. We're not really competitive. If one of us wins, the state wins. I mean, I want everything in Southeast Missouri, of course, because that's the best place to be, but (laughs) we're not going to fight each other on projects. We definitely collaborate with each other though. Well, when I have Mitch on here, I'm definitely going to ask about that traveling petting zoo because that sounds very interesting. I don't know how that works and if it qualifies for Missouri Works, but by that point, he should have it figured out. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. (laughs) So, I know some of these questions do seem kind of like difficult or, or hard or like putting people on the spot. And, and I never like to feel, uh, to make it feel like that, but you know, we want to get into some nit and gritty here. So in your mind, what does it take for businesses to be successful in the Southeast region? And maybe that can be extended to just economic development in general. So for a company to be successful in the Southeast region, open, honest communication, that's the type of folks you have in Southeast Missouri. You're going to go in to a meeting with county commissioners or with a mayor, and they're going to shoot you straight. They're going to tell you exactly how much something costs. They're going to tell you exactly when the last time it is that the land flooded. They're going to tell you exactly how much it costs to clean up after that flood. Sometimes they're so honest, I sit in the meetings and cringe a little. Like, we're being a little too honest with these folks if we want them to come in. But that's what you're going to get. So if you want to do business in Southeast Missouri, it is open, honest communication. There's a company I work with a lot. They've got some potential plans to expand. And he called me in uh, the day before Thanksgiving, two o'clock in the afternoon. Hey, can you come up and we're going to have a conversation? Sure. And I sat down and the first words out of his mouth was, look, I don't really know if I can talk to you about this, but I'm going to because we have that kind of relationship. 
And I'm like, I'm here. You tell me. I'll, I will be as open and honest as I can with you about whatever information you need. I think I'd say that about Southeast Missouri doing business here. Be open and honest. Know that you're going to have folks that are going to be hard workers. And you're also going to have a lot of really good partners. Something that Missouri Partnership, when they're doing attraction to come in, and we do as well if we have a new start that's going to come in, we will set up meetings for that company to meet with other companies in the area so that they can have that honest conversation about how hard is it to hire folks? How is it to work with the uh, local education agency, the community college? How's the tax base? You know, are, are you getting hit by the assessor and you didn't? We'll set that up. So it's really just making sure that they're ready to have those honest conversations and know that other companies around them also want them to succeed. That's a big part of it. I think a lot of companies are surprised when neighboring companies are trying to get them to come in because they just want the whole area to succeed and they don't see it as a competitive nature as much as it is just, again, rising tide lifts all ships. Let's get more folks in here. Let's get more families in here. Let's build the community. And similar to that previous question, why should companies locate in South region or maybe just Missouri as a whole? And maybe this is kind of the moment to like, here's our pitch. So the here's our pitch is we are extremely business friendly and we're not just business friendly for the first 18 months. You're going to be in a state that has leadership on the local level, on the state level that wants you to be here to create jobs It's not going to be an enticement to get you in, and then we pull the rug out from under you. We're going to give you a pitch. We're going to show you a proposal and give you as many incentives as we can. If you're going to hire good people, if you're going to provide great jobs, we want you to have great incentives, and we're going to continue that. We're going to have customer service. That's one thing that I was told by one of our companies that came. They have another branch in another state. Illinois. And they uh, came in and they said, we're just shocked at how helpful you are. They had some questions and I said, well, here's the form and let's set up a call this afternoon and I'll have the person in Jefferson City on the call with us and we'll just talk through exactly how to submit this form. And they were shocked. They'd never had that type of customer service. So I'd say that's why you come to Missouri, not just Southeast. Missouri in total, we are here to help. We want you to succeed, not just on day one, but on day 1,000. We want you to stay, we want you to grow, and we want you to continue success. This is the moment of the podcast where I open up the floor to you. We've talked about a lot of stuff, but I'm sure there's probably more that we can keep talking about. Uh, Is there anything about the Southeast region, maybe just Missouri in general, maybe the regional engagement, you know, whatever it is, is there anything you want to convey to the listeners that you think would be interesting or helpful for them to know? I think the main thing is, I love the fact that we have regional engagement. I love the fact that we have the quote, you know, boots on the ground to help businesses in their own community. But in addition to having us, I think it's just so important for folks to know how instrumental the folks here at the Truman Building, which is where we're recording this, how instrumental they are, not just for the business to be successful, but for us to be successful. These folks in this building, whether it's the business team, whether it's the finance team, it's neighborhood assistance program, youth opportunity program, 
we all work hand in hand to figure out what tools can we give these businesses to be successful. And the folks in this building are so fantastic at picking up the phone, answering those questions, the nitty gritty, you know, Olivia, Brett Vollmer. I mean, they are there. They are there and answering so many questions that I would have no idea how to tackle. But they're going to be there as a resource, and they're just so great to work with. Um, Today I had a meeting with a fabricator. They make adorable Christmas ornaments. I can show you one that I purchased today. But they are also involved in a community project to get high schoolers into businesses to do additional training. Well, I was able to call Daniel Epler and say, hey, can I talk to somebody about Youth Opportunity Program? I think it could be a good tool for them. Daniel immediately calls back. We've got a call set up, and we're going to figure out how can we make YOP work for this fabricator. And this was supposed to be a quick stop in, hey, are there any training needs? And now we're going to potentially loop in YOP. So I think the main thing is it's the big picture. It's not just regional engagement. It's all these folks working together, getting everybody access to all the tools that are out there to help them succeed, whether it's a community or a business. I can't think of any other way to end the podcast than that. That was great. It kind of really shines a light on how we all work together for the betterment of the state and helping businesses. Leslie, thank you so much for coming on. I know you had a long drive and you didn't come up here just for this. Had you been, I would have felt a little bit bad. I would expect coffee had I just come up for this. <laughs> but thank you so much for sitting down and getting all this great information. If there's a business out there or a listener who wants to get in touch with you, regional engagement, if they want to learn more or whatnot, how would they do that? They can actually go to the website. There's a web form that you just go down and click whichever county you are in, and then that will send an email directly to me. You can also just look up regional engagement and my email and my cell phone number are on that email. Happy to talk to anyone about opportunities, bringing a business in, expanding a current business, however they can work within our community. Perfect. Leslie, thank you so much. Absolutely. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this episode of Inside Eco Devo. We have great episodes coming your way every two weeks, so be sure to subscribe. Also, we want to hear from you, our listeners. Tell us what economic development topics you want to hear more about. This helps us fulfill our motto of helping Missourians prosper by bringing content to our listeners that they want to hear. Leave a comment on an episode or send an email to ded.communications at ded.mo.gov and stay tuned for more Inside Eco Devo.